What's up, Rodney? Trey, how you doing, my man? How's a kiddo? First and foremost, how's that? How's that finger? Kid, oh yes, uh, Calvin is good. When I grabbed him from school yesterday, he was already complaining about how he was having to repeat himself over and over again. I'm like, well, when you show injury, when you got something that shows that you got hurt, it's certainly the case as a kid. It's still the case as an adult too. Yep, you're going to face that question repeatedly. And you're going to get really tired of giving the same answer over and over again. And so I told him, look, I don't condone lying. I don't encourage you to lie in 99.9% of situations, but you can have some fun with this here. Oh, yeah. You can get really creative in ways that most of the kids that you're around will recognize that you're joking about it. And then you'll have the, the dumb kids in class who will probably think you're serious when you say that, you were walking in the neighborhood with your family and a pack of elephants came running through and your mom dropped her wedding ring directly in front of the elephants and you heroically went and grabbed it and one of the there elephants is. stepped on your thumb. He's like, I can't say that. I'm like, yeah, you can. Everybody, you can. like I said, most of those kids are smart enough to realize that you're joking and the dumb ones, well, they're they're going to be gullible regardless of whether or not you throw a uh, clear, clearly BS story out there. But he's doing good. He's he's improving. Good. Thank you for asking. It's a fractured fingertip, which I didn't know this until going through it over the last couple of days. It takes like seven to 14 days to heal up. So it's going to be in a splint for probably at least until this weekend, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, that's a good thing with kiddos. And it's like, so my wife, um, actually before, before she was my wife, um, my, my stepdaughter, my, my, my youngest who graduates on Monday for, or on, on Friday from UNT, by the way, it's been a lot of years, um, was a mere infant. And my wife was walking down the stairs of, of their home at that time, tripped and fell with the kid and, and broke the kid's leg. And yeah, yeah. It was, it was one of those things where she still carries that with her. I mean, it comes up and it's like, whenever people bring up, you know, kid injuries that comes up and I'm always like, Oh no, no, don't, you know, it's a, it's a rough thing, but they heal quick. That that's a good thing. That's the very good thing about it. They do. And I can sympathize with your wife too, because his finger is my fault. I mean, we were playing catch and we were using, we were, you know, we had taken the step up football wise to, to that firm leather ball, even though it's smaller, that's supposed to be suited for seven, eight year olds. Like I'm the one that threw the ball. I threw the yeah. deep ball and I had seen him kind of struggling with the ball ending up over his head and him just kind of putting his hands up. And it's like, I, I should have thought in that moment, if this hits his finger wrong, it's not going to be good. And sure enough, that's what happened. But he's a sweet kid and he reassured me like I was apologetic over and over again. He reassured me, dad, it's not your fault. It was an accident. And he's already, we've, uh, Reverted back to the softball until the thumb is completely healed, but he's already ready to run routes again. We were running routes in there the living room last night, which my wife loves, by the way. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but we're just doing square ends and quick slants and things like that. Nothing that's uh, going to put any furniture or, right. or, or, or our bodies in distress. So yeah. it's good to see him get back on the saddle in a sense. Yeah, that's what you call rehab. A little bit of rehab assignment right there, getting back into it. Well, Trey, I, I, I go through something quasi-traumatic to, yeah. to try and get back out there as soon as possible. 
Yeah. Yeah. Gotta get back on the horse. It's scary. I mean, we talk about this with professionals and collegiates who are top performers at their various level, but you suffer a serious injury. There's not just a physical element of recovery that you have to overcome. There's a mental or psychological element that in a lot of ways is even more difficult because the x-ray can show something as being completely clean or the MRI can show a, a ligament is completely healed, but it's still in the back of your mind that you hurt yourself in a, what may have been a fairly innocuous way. And you're concerned that when you make that step or that cut or try and go laterally, that the same thing is going to happen again. And so for him to get back out there a day later is a testament to uh, how resilient this little guy is. And I truly think, you know, where I'm glad you said that because when you talk about sports, I mean, the, the mental aspect of it, I mean, it's so, it's so undersold, you know, because it really is. I mean, when you think about these guys, I mean, just, just myself as a Cowboy fan, every time Dak Prescott takes off, I'm like, man, I, I can just see like that leg again. I can see that ankle again. I mean, the, the fact that these guys, whether it's coming off ACLs, broken legs, broken arms, shoulders, I mean, concussions for crying out loud, the stuff that they come off of. And it, it's as it never happened, as if it never happened, these guys dive right back into duty again. And that tells you just um, it, it, it takes takes a lot of balls for one thing, but um, it takes a pretty special psyche to be able to do that, man, because it is got to always be right there somewhere. Well, just look at Tony Pollard. I mean, this is a guy yeah. who was insanely talented over these last few years as Zeke's backup. And even though they felt good enough about him returning from injury to let Zeke go and have uh, Rico Dowdle serve as a backup and maybe – you will eventually see Deuce Vaughn get some opportunities too. Like it took Tony Pollard halfway through this season to really start looking more like himself. I mean, he had a what month and a half stretch where he didn't get into the end zone. And that's those fortunes have started to turn just a little bit. Fortunately for your team, Dak Prescott after a weird start to the season has turned into one of the best quarterbacks in the national football league right now. And has put himself squarely in contention for that end of season MVP award. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's definitely playing at a very elite level. Um, it's kind of one of those things where just uh, you're kind of waiting for the implosion. But uh, anyway, ho hopefully that's not what's going to happen. Trey, I didn't get to listen to you guys yesterday. And and please feel free to do, I mean, do everything that, that you guys do. I mean, I know that you guys have segments and so forth, so I'll follow right along. But I, I did want to ask you, because I, I didn't get to listen to you in particular yesterday, and I'd love your opinion on this whole thing with Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. Uh, I know he's kind of since come back and apologized. I mean, it's pretty obvious what was going on right there. Um, an obvious infraction. And I went on and on yesterday about, you know, when you break the rule, you're going to get a penalty, blah, blah, blah. But, man, I would love your thoughts. I mean, I totally get the overreaction. I totally get the passion. I get all that bullshit. But it's um, it's kind of one of those things where I hear him, and it's like, how can that happen? Well, it's pretty fucking clear how that can happen. You broke the rule. Or the rule was broken. He didn't break the rule. Yeah, so let's start with this. Pat Mahomes is, in terms of sports superstars in this country, not just one of the most recognizable faces to go along with the recognizable name in American sports, but in a lot of ways, he's one of the most beloved, mm -hmm. too. 
about as all-American as I think it gets in 2023. He's a winner. He's a good-looking dude. He seems like a, a pretty good dude, too. His family has some issues, but uh, his brother being a shithead isn't a reflection on Pat Mahomes necessarily. So he's a hard guy to root against, let's say. It kind of has a Johnny Cash feel about him like that, or Ice Cube, or there's plenty of figures throughout history that uh, you just question somebody who's like, no, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, Michael Jordan was not that, by the way. Michael Jordan is somebody who, in a lot of ways, was easy to hate. I mean, the guy's punching his own teammates in practice, after all. And uh, Michael is a winner, and there's different ways to win. And Pat Mahomes has been a gracious winner up to this point while also being really talented at football and playing that position of quarterback in about as unique a manner as we've seen in most of our lifetimes. So I set all of that up to say it was extremely uncharacteristic of how he conducted himself in the immediate aftermath of that penalty getting called. The Chiefs going on to lose the game because that drive ends on downs and just how he was going after the officials on the sidelines after that, his interaction with Josh Allen afterwards, where he's still complaining about it, his response and post game as well. Like all of that speaks to frustration with what he thought was a grave injustice in the moment. But I think more than anything else, that is a manifestation of the frustration that he's been dealing with all season long as he continues to play at an elite level, but his teammates around him on offense are failing him miserably. Like even Travis Kelsey, who is his uh, still his best target, his most reliable target right now, hasn't quite been up to Travis Kelsey's standards, but I mean, he's been all pro as compared to some of the scrubs who just keep finding ways to fuck up yeah. Kansas City's attempt to get something going on offense. And the most egregious example of that is Kadarius Toney, who, if you want to go back and look at that play, as we all have done, you see that he is clearly offsides and he makes no effort to do the one thing that every wide receiver is taught before anything else about playing that position. When you line up, on the line of scrimmage, you look down to the sideline and you check with the ref who will then tell you if you need to take it back a step or two. He didn't do that and he cost his team the lead in the process because of uh, Mahomes finding Kelsey who uh, makes his way into the end zone for what would have been a go-ahead touchdown. So Pat Mahomes owned it, I think it was yesterday, where he was apologetic and said that he handled it poorly. He... uh brought up the kids, think of the kids and uh, talked about how it was, how he wished he could have a redo with Josh Allen after the game in a sense. So, I mean, he apologized. So I don't think there's too, too much of a reason for us to, uh, to beat this horse, which is starting to look a little bit dead now, other than to say that these Kansas city chiefs, as good as they've been the last few years, um, they're not only beatable this season, I don't think they really have a legitimate chance to make it back to the Super Bowl unless a lot of guys on offense can can get shit figured out, which I don't think things just happen like that as you're getting to the near near the end of a season. Sometimes guys' hands just are what they are. And so the Chiefs are going to have to rely even more on a pretty stout defense and a uh, bit of a, a two-person show with Mahomes and Kelsey on offense to try and generate more points.
Yeah, I think I think that the Chiefs are in a in a spot, and I think we see it a, a lot of times in these dynastic situations, to where you have you have a team that that goes on the you know four or five year run, whatever the case is, and eventually it does start to fizzle out, and and you start to see all the kinks in the armor, and uh, you know guys leave, and, and different things happen. I mean, I happen to think this year that there's been distractions. Um, obviously, I mean, Mahomes is doing a lot of things off the field. I mean, I totally get the 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 you know commercials and endorsements and all that i mean good for him i mean that that's part of 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 being a superstar and with kelsey and the whole dating thing and all that there's just a lot of outside things and then plus um the on-field product not as good as it as it has been and and i really do think that that this if you want to call it a dynasty what has been a good you know four or five year run is just at a peak where it needs to be re retweaked and retooled a little bit and it happens all the time i mean it happens all the time it just seems like maybe sunday was kind of that that where it hit the ceiling to where it became really obvious that there's a lot of internal frustration within that team yeah that's a great point and certainly not the first team to deal with internal strife and there are plenty examples from the past of teams that have dealt with internal strife that can get it figured out or use it as a rallying cry to get going in a better direction we'll see if kansas city can do that this doesn't just this just doesn't feel like their year but then again the afc is wide open right now yeah. Buffalo is a team that would be favored over a lot of fellow AFC competitors on a neutral field. And Buffalo is a game over 500 right now after pulling out a win in KC in spite of themselves. So Baltimore is a force to be reckoned with on the uh, NF or AFC side of things, excuse me. Um, but other than that, there's a whole lot of question marks. And I think even Baltimore. Uh, isn't exactly world beaters. And we've seen good Baltimore teams go into the playoffs and uh, fall well short of what those postseason goals were. Oftentimes, I mean, gosh, just think back a few years to when Baltimore was the one seed and they faced Tennessee in the second round and Tennessee knocks them out. Like there are, uh, I think Baltimore for as good as uh, John Harbaugh has been in the playoffs and um, winning a Super Bowl or winning a, yeah, he's just won one Super Bowl at this point. Um, I think that uh, even Baltimore is a team that doesn't scare a whole lot of other uh, AFC foes. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, there, there's a lot of players right there. There's a lot of players, and Wags and I were talking about Denver's come to life right here, and Denver is actually a little scary right now to where they may have something to say with this. I mean, because you just don't know what direction that's going to that's gonna go where the NFC seems pretty solid, uh, I guess, at this point. Um, I also I mean, do want to ask. NFC has three good teams yeah. right now. Like even Philadelphia with how they've struggled, you, you expect them to get their shit together at some point. But the Cowboys – the 49ers and the Eagles seem like, I don't know, a game or two better. Not, not just looking at the standings, as Baltimore technically has the same record as those three teams, but they seem a game or two better than anything that the AFC has to offer. I mean, the Dolphins should be 10-3, and three, but they completely blew it. God. it a bad Tennessee Titans team last night. Tyreek Hill, he does come in back into the game after that injured ankle, but is that something that's going to be hampering him? Going forward, I mean, you want to talk about a an offense that needs that guy with all the questions that were asked about the Chiefs offense after Tyreek Tyreek went to Miami and they answered those questions magnificently by winning a Super Bowl afterwards. If Tyreek Hill is significantly slowed up by this ankle injury, the uh, the Dolphins offense 
takes a huge hit as a result. I don't know what Jalen uh, Waddle's status is. I know he went down at one point last night too. And then Tua has uh, been a little bit up and down over the last month now as well. So Dolphins are maybe the second best team uh, in the AFC right now. The Jags, like how much faith are you going to give them? with uh, how they got boat raced by Cleveland this last weekend. Like Cleveland, I guess. I mean, they're good defensively. They've got yeah. some nice skill guys on offense, but do you really trust Joe Flacco come playoff time to take that team on a run? And then there's just a log jam of teams at 7-6 and six or 6-7. Six and seven. 13 teams in the NFL right now, Rodney. Yeah. At 7-6 and six or 6-7. Six and seven. So this league that for the longest time has changed its rules – and salary caps and free agency to create more parity. Well, congratulations. You have now achieved that NFL. We have all these teams that are sitting just above or just below 500 with a lot of them still technically in the, uh, the playoff race, even though they, the reality is is they're a bunch of 500 teams. And this has been a very mediocre year, not just the NFL, but really across football too, like college football. Texas is one of the more well-rounded teams in college football right now, which is great. But Texas is a flawed football team. There's no team in college football this year that's going to go down as one of the all-time greats, if and when they win a national championship. And I think the NFL is something very similar. The closest you probably have to that right now is the 49ers, but the 49ers are relying on a bunch of dudes with serious injury histories on remaining healthy the rest of the way for them to be as good as they are. Because we saw when even one of those guys is out on offense – Brock Purdy all of a sudden turns back into pump fake Purdy from his Iowa State yeah. days. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what what we saw last night. I mean, just with all the, you know, I, I know two is getting a lot of run and all that, but you take Tyreek Hill out of the mix right there, and shit, he's he just looks like an he just just looks average. I mean, it, it's so imperative to have that dude in the lineup. And and I was mentioning this morning. I mean, you look at this; it can change so fast, and that's exactly what has happened. I mean, like you're saying, Trey. One of, I guess, one of the intriguing things for me across the board this year has been is that you don't know on a Saturday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. I mean, you may get a shit team, quote unquote, shit team's going to go out and beat an elite team. That's just the way it looks. And right now, in the National Football League, I mean, the list of the list of starting quarterbacks. I, I went over some of them this, this morning. It's like, who, who the fuck is that? I mean, it's just all these dudes. And right back to your point, that's why we have so many clubs that are hovering right around that you know sub 500 500 just above it and and it is good for parity but again the other teams i mean 49ers dallas eagles i mean all the ones that we may think are elite man they are one dude away from being in the same fucking ballpark as all the other guys that we're calling subpar at this point yeah, it's uh, fascinating to continue to watch this all play out. And you're right, the uh, the quarterback situation right now is bizarre. It's truly bizarre. It makes you wonder if uh, Colt McCoy has hasn't unofficially re- or hasn't yeah I guess unofficially retired from the National Football League because I know that Tommy DeVito that story's be- <clears throat> become really fun. But the fact that that guy was starting games earlier in this season, like he was cl- clearly out of his element, and there were way too many examples of guys like that, but you're talking about the NFL here, man. How are there not more guys who are poised, primed and ready to at least make some downfield throws? Yeah. I know Zach Wilson just had a good game this last weekend against the Texans team that kind of had a perfect storm work, work against it and lead to them getting blown out by a team that everybody thought they would end up winning by double digits with. But like Zach Wilson's another good example of that of a guy who was drafted 
uh, top five like that who uh, has completely shit the bed up to this point to the degree that the Jets went out and got Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Like that's how little yeah. faith they had in this guy. And he was questioning whether he even wanted to be reinserted as this team starting quarterback heading into last weekend's game, which is just a – it's pathetic for Zach Wilson if that story is is anywhere close to true. Like he's yeah. concerned about the reaction that he's going to get. Motherfucker, you get paid millions of dollars to deal with that criticism. But, oh, by the way, perform a whole lot better than you have up to this point. Like, it's up to you to silence the haters, to silence the doubters. And he did a good job of that this last Sunday. We'll see how much that continues, though. Yeah, yeah. That, that That's when I heard that story, it's absurd. I'm like, there's no way that that. And I mean, if it is, I mean, if that's the case, you fucking cut that dude. Be like, get, get out of here, man. I mean, pack your shit and get out of here. I mean, you're you're a paid professional. If we need you to get in the damn game, get in the damn game. And he, he did. He, he he looked good. I mean, he did look good. Wags and I, speaking of guys that look good, Justin Fields, I'd love, love your opinion. We were talking about with the Bears, you know, do do you go to Caleb Williams? I was talking about, I mean, to me, so much of this, but, but I'm old school, man. I mean, to me, it's all systematic. You got to put a dude in the right system. You got to put somebody that's good, that's going to, to take him to the next level to make him be, in this case, an NFL quarterback. I, I don't think Justin Fields is has been put in that spot there's a lot of pieces that are missing around there trey if you're the chicago bears i mean are you going to ship this dude off i personally think that it would be good for justin fields maybe just a, a change of scenery just something else just get the hell away from all that shit because you got to think some of that's dragging him down and, and for the bears to go get caleb williams i mean which, which way do you go if you're if you're the one turning in that card are, are you taking caleb williams or are you going to keep what you got I have probably watched Justin Fields closer this season than most other people have because he was supposed to be my fantasy quarterback on both my teams. I drafted Fields and I drafted DJ Moore. And so this is going to be a huge breakout year for them both. And it has to a degree, but when Justin Fields suffered that thumb injury, it was a huge setback. Look, the problem for the Bears right now is not Justin Fields. It is the offensive line in front of him. Yep. And it's the fact that they need more weapons around him too. The receivers were okay. DJ Moore has a chance to be a top three to five receiver in this league. But after that, and I guess Cole Komet, who is a decent tight end, he's probably five to 10 range in terms of uh, best tight ends in the NFL right now. It's a lot of scrubs on the outside. And so the Bears defense has been pretty darn good this year. I think they're one of the best in the league against the run. Uh, They've had their moments as a pass defense as well, but Justin Fields oftentimes is running for his life because his offensive line is failing him. So they need to invest more draft capital on the offensive line and at wide receiver. Now, to the question of whether Caleb Williams is going to be better suited than Justin Fields to lead a franchise to a championship, maybe. He does seem to have that Pat Mahomes quality or those qualities that gets compared so often his improvisational ability, his ability with his legs, obviously, um, while maybe not quite as good as Justin Fields is still exceptional. And like, if you're comparing those two guys, he's he's going to be a better thrower, I think, than Justin Fields is too. And he's also got a bigger stature as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what the Bears do there, assuming that Carolina holds on to that worst record, which we have no reason to believe that they're not <laughs> going to do. Got a two-game lead there now. And... Uh, We'll see what the Bears do. I could see them trading Justin Fields away and taking Caleb Williams, but you also have to realize if you do that, you are resetting the developmental clock for your quarterback. 
Exactly. And again, Justin Fields is not the problem. The guy has shown positive signs of development this year and going back into last year too. And if you feel like he's not the problem, well, there are other things that you can do to address the actual issues that you have on your offense with that number one pick going with a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe trading back by a couple of picks to a team that wants to jump ahead of the Patriots, whoever ends up at number two to snag Caleb Williams in the process. And therefore the bears are able to build up a little bit more draft capital while still picking at three or four, getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Probably getting another first round draft pick and, 25 to go along with what will be a top 10 draft pick most likely for them this year as well, where they can probably go out and help that offensive line out with one of the, uh, with one of the big time offensive line prospects that's going to, that that will be there in April, somewhere around seven to 10. Yeah. You know, it's one of the things that I've said all year. One of the biggest differences for me with the Texas football program, I know this is college football talking versus NFL, but with the Texas football program, we finally see continuity. We finally see, I mean, you've got the same coordinators coaching the same damn dudes, and you're seeing the result right there. You've got pieces that are falling into place. I know in the NFL it's different. Those pieces ha- have not been there for him. You're exactly right with that. But, but, you, but I mean, l- look at what has happened here with Texas. I, I know there's been a lot of, a lot of things that, that have made this – uh, you know, a, a college football playoff team. But in my opinion, in my opinion, one of the biggest is the fact that you do, you have continuity. You know, you're going to go in the fucking office tomorrow and you know, who's going to be there. You know, who your coach is going to be. You have a pretty good idea next year, who your coach is going to be. You, you, you know, the routine and that's been feels problem. He doesn't know who his line's going to be. He doesn't know who he's throwing to. And that's all the time. It's the the quarterback, and it's usually one of these young, highly touted quarterbacks that goes to a situation like this that falls on the sword, and that's exactly what's happened to Fields. Yeah, and I follow a lot of Bears fans on Twitter just because of my time in Chi Town. Drink up, drink up, and he has uh, he has definitely dealt with a ton of criticism from the Bears fan base, but I think some of it was warranted early on, but I think some of it is just piling on because the easiest position to criticize when the offense isn't doing what you want it to is the quarterback spot. But look at what he was doing right before he suffered that thumb thumb injury. He had a couple of really good games in a row, including where he was getting on the same page as DJ Moore. That was evident again this last week. And I know one of DJ Moore's touchdowns was technically a rushing touchdown and he got shut out uh, catching yardage wise in the first half. But that connection in the second half helped them to put that game away against the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions team that is leading that division right now. You should have beat the same Lions team just a couple weeks back, but they had a pretty uh, miraculous comeback in the process to keep that from happening. I mean, the Bears are talking right now like they have a chance to make the playoffs this year, and uh, they're not wrong about that. They are uh, they are in the playoff hunt now. They are trailing the six and se- all those six and seven teams that we talked about. They're at five yep. and eight right now in that log jam with, uh, with the giants and uh, the six and seven teams being the saints, the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Rams and the Packers who technically get that seven spot right now, even though they're six and seven. I mean, the Vikings are, this is how the Vikings at five and eight right now. Vikings should not be in the no. NFC playoff picture, NFL.com. Shame on you for that. But uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of teams who are uh, jockeying for those last two spots. And if you take care of business these last four weeks, 
and you win your final four games, even at five and eight right now, if they were to do that or the Giants were to do that, Saquon Barkley was talking big heading into this last weekend saying, we still got a chance to make the playoffs and we're going to do it. I'm going to make damn certain of that. He scores a couple of touchdowns last night. They pretty much cannot afford to lose another game. Maybe you can lose another game based on where uh, the standings have a six and seven team right now in the NFC, but you need to try and go nine and eight. That will probably uh, get you into the playoffs this year in the NFC. So if the bears can do that, they can finish nine and eight. They'll be in the playoffs too. Now, the problem for all these teams, it's a whole lot easier to say that you're going to win out than actually doing so, even if you seemingly have that cupcake schedule because of the parity that we talked about a little bit earlier and how uh, no one team is that much better than their opponents outside of those three or four teams that are atop of football right now. Yeah, and and the shitty part in the NFC is one of those South teams is going to get in. You got three of them at six and seven. I mean, one of them is going to get in, and 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 there you go. But that's that's that system. So that that'll be interesting to follow the Chicago story. You know, I, I don't know what may happen there. Uh, I think Green Bay last night, man, they they blew an opportunity um, with that right there. I mean, to let the Giants come back. I mean, that's that's absolutely inexcusable. If you're the Packers, I mean, you can't, you absolutely cannot lose that game right there. But again, that's back to the Giants. I mean, hell, the Giants are on the upswing. I guess that that's what happens when you have a a gangster out there uh, playing quarterback for you. And excuse me, I made a mistake. The Vikings are actually seven and yeah, six. They're, right they're now. seven and six. The they're seven and six. Yeah. Right, Raiders are somehow five and eight right now, but the Vikings are seven and six. So that's why they get in over the Packers at six and seven. That would be pretty amusing if the NFC North ends up getting three teams into the playoffs, despite the fact that other than the Lions, the rest of the three teams in that division have not been very good this year. I know the Packers have experienced a little bit of a turnaround, but considering the Vikings lost Kirk Cousins when they did. And they played much of the season without Justin Jefferson. And maybe the Bears will have some say-so before it's all said and done. Uh, That's a pretty uh, damning detail if the NFC North ends up with three teams in the postseason, despite the fact that that division is not very good. It's just uh, an indictment on just how mediocre to bad the NFC is this year. Yeah, yep, no doubt about it. Trey, before we go uh, any further, I do want to jump in and uh, get a word in uh, our friends over at Covert Bee Cave. Um, great state-of-the-art dealership out there. 42 acres in Bee Cave. Man, it's worth the drive. I mean, just take the drive out there um, and check out all the beauty on the way out there. On the way out there, three state-of-the-art dealerships, seven different brands of new pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs out there at Covert Bee Cave, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler's, Jeeps, Dodge, and the Rams. Of course, the Fords and the Chevrolets, you can find them on Highway 79 out at Covert Hutto. The Fords and the Lincolns, Old School 183, Research Boulevard right over in Austin. Covert Bee Cave also servicing all makes and models of your family ride. Let them do all of that service for you. Don't try to do it yourself. It's a pain in the ass. Have you looked under the hood of your vehicle lately? You can't find shit. Let the folks at Covert Bee Cave do it. 86 service bays, minimal weight, in and out the door. You can also go to covertbeecave.com. Check out your weekly specials. Of course, there's always holiday specials, but this dealership has a weekly specials. Covertbeecave.com. Check it out there or make your way on out. Say hello to Dan and all the great folks out there since 1909 serving Central Texans for generations. It is the Covert family. And as they like to say, nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. And Trey, you guys have been out there quite often. That's a good-looking spot. 
Yes, it is. While we're at it with the love to our sponsors, let's give a shout out to Great Blue Hair and Furniture, a custom leather furniture company that started in 1991. They focus on heavy leathers, hides, and fabrics ranging from traditional Western to modern farmhouses. The stuff is gorgeous. It's also the highest quality furniture you can find. You cannot, you will not find more stylish, more comfortable, and more well-built furniture anywhere out there. There is a link in the YouTube video description below that takes you to the Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection. That's right, the Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection. And if you use the promo code HOOKEM, whether or not you shop through that Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection, use the uh, promo code HOOKEM. You're going to get 15% off your purchase. If you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades, look no further than Great Blue Hair and Furniture. Click that link below on YouTube for more info or give them a call. 866-247-9688. 866-247-9688. That is some good looking stuff. Hey, how about a uh, recorded spot for our friends at Pest Wrangler? Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it kind of hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Us Wranglers is a sponsor of Where We At in Society, which will be coming up here in about 10 minutes. And Jake says this about Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields. Caleb's floor and ceiling are both higher than Fields. Really don't think that the Bears should overthink this. Yeah, you may be right about that, Jake. But if the Bears feel confident in what Justin Fields can continue to give them, I think it is a little bit more of a conversation because there is nothing guaranteed. Yes, even with Caleb Williams, Nothing is guaranteed. There are plenty of number one quarterbacks from years past where you thought that he had a chance to be a great quarterback and things haven't panned out that way. I mean, look at guys who are starting the league this year. They're not necessarily hanging on for dear life at this point, but they're guys who uh, weren't near as uh, of sure things as uh, they may have been talked about at the time. Baker Mayfield is one of those guys. I know Kyler Murray, while everybody questioned his height, a lot of people thought Kyler Murray was a bona fide Number one overall pick, and it's been a roller coaster ride for him as well. Caleb Williams does seem to have all the tools and uh, theoretically will be a great quarterback for years to come, but you never know for sure. Yeah. So if you feel good about the track that Justin Fields is on, that he has a good grasp of the offense, that he has a great rapport with his teammates, and you think that he is a good leader in the locker room, then I think you do stick with him and you consider what else you might be able to do at one, whether that's trade down a couple of picks pick game more draft capital in the process while still getting a, a guy that you know can help your offense next season and Marvin Harrison Jr. while still using that second first round pick, your own first round pick uh, on an offensive lineman or maybe it's something on the defensive side of the ball, then uh, that that option is something that they're going to have to strongly consider as well. No doubt. Trey, sorry, I was a little uh, trigger happy there on the press wranglers there. I looked at the wrong time um so and, and this is something i want to go back to because i, I talk about this in, de- in detail a lot and i think some people think that i'm full of shit what because when it co- when it comes to these quarterbacks that go that, that go to bad situations that that's why it ends up like that you know a lot of times when you see guys you, you know late second round third round fourth round quarterback that goes and becomes 
a really damn good quarterback, whether it be a serviceable quarterback, maybe a franchise quarterback, whatever the case is. Odds are they're going to end up, you know, later in the draft, obviously, they're going to end up at a franchise in a situation that is in a better spot that is either growing, that does have the pieces in place, that does have a quarterback guru, offensive coordinator, whatever the hell you want to call it, that does have all of that already in place or beginning to have the inner workings to make that quarterback better. That's why a, a lot of times, yeah, yeah, a lot of times it's a shot in the dark with some people. But when when you get quarterbacks that fall into those situations, the good situations, a lot of times it's not surprising because the ability, the talent is there and you put him in the right spot. These guys that unfortunately go to, a, as it stands now, a Carolina, a Chicago, something like this, the commanders, you know, that that's where, I mean, you're, you're, you're doomed to fail. Unfortunately, you're, you're going to suck. You can only hope that you can get through that, um, stay healthy enough that when the tide turns, you're still able to somewhat play the position, I think. Yeah, Jesus, Jake, right about that. The South can still get three teams in. No, you're right about that because uh, as, bad as, the, yeah. as bad as the NFC South is, the Falcons are at six and seven, which is where the division leading Bucks are also at six and seven. The Saints are at six and seven. Oh, God. This, this league this year, man, it's just bewildering. I mean, the NFC West can still get three teams in. Technically four, because Arizona, I guess they're not completely eliminated. There's only two teams that are eliminated from playoff contention right now, the Panthers and the Patriots. And the Cardinals have the same record as the Patriots, but because the NFC is so down right now, they could win out, go four and seven, and theoretically get in. Because if, I mean, there's no way that all the six and seven teams ahead of them are going to lose every game. But uh, if they all lose every game except one wins one, then... That's seven wins right there for one of those teams. So I guess the uh, the Cardinals are completely eliminated. But come on, the Cardinals are out of it. The yeah. Commanders are out of it. The Washington Commies are four and nine right now. The Bears and the Giants barely have a shot to yeah. make this shit happen. Yeah, they're, they're they've got an IV trickling at this point. I mean, there's no way for for them. I mean, that's not going to happen. And, and speaking of the Patriots, uh, Drake May I saw officially declared for the draft. So so there's the Patriots guy. I think. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that's the guy they're going to go for. I mean, I've seen mock drafts and everything really pointing that direction for them to 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 try to get post Tom Brady finally after all this time. Maybe. Jaden Daniels, I think, is going to have some say-so in that too, though. I mean, he is such an electric player who made great strides as a thrower this year. And so I think he's put himself in contention as uh, getting selected somewhere in the top five. As a matter of fact, ESPN – Go to this real quick before we get to where we're at in society. Okay. They came out with a new mo- uh, mock draft, excuse me, a little bit earlier today. And, oh, it looks like uh, Riley Leonard has uh, officially announced that he's transferring to Notre Dame, too. So uh, there's a – I don't know if it's breaking news at this point. But there's a bit of news. Riley Leonard, who I thought might have a chance to go to A&M just because his former head coach is now there, will be the signal caller at Notre Dame next year. I will make sure to get – uh, Kevin Dunn's thoughts on that as a, a big Notre Dame fan and somebody who watches a ton of college football to see what he thinks about Riley Leonard to Notre Dame following uh, another former ACC quarterback and Sam Hartman, who uh, had a bit of an up and down campaign this year as well. Okay, so the mock draft that ESPN just came out with today, 
for the record, they do have Caleb Williams going number one overall to the Bears. So they are with Jake that they don't need to overthink this one. Patriots take Drake May at two. Good call there, Rodney. Cardinals take Marvin Harrison Jr. at three. And how about the New York Giants taking Jaden Daniels at four? That's what this mock draft has right now. The Commanders take an offensive tackle. Titans take Dallas Turner. Raiders take J.J. McCarthy. Boy, that would be a reach. Bears take uh, Malik Neighbors, wide receiver from LSU. We actually do have a couple of Longhorns in this first-round mock. Any... Uh, do you care to guess who ends up in the first round for Texas? Uh, you you got to have A.D. Mitchell in here. I mean, A.D. Mitchell has to be in here somewhere. A.D. Mitchell going 27 to the Kansas City Chiefs. God bless America. I, I, Pat Mahomes reads that, and he's like, man, I hope so. God, dog it. I need somebody to catch fucking football. Jeez. Yeah. Lady. And a guy that I think would be a great fit on the Chiefs, Xavier Worthy actually goes a little bit ahead of A.D. Mitchell, according to this mock, to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Catching passes from Baker. Baker, the moneymaker. Yeah. Cool. I mean, look, he's got a one of the all-time greats to uh, to learn from in Tampa with Mike, Mike Evans. Yeah. And what he's been able to do for a decade now in the NFL. It's so funny to think back to – AM's glory days, the Johnny Manziel days, and how much love Johnny Manziel got versus how much love Mike Evans should have been getting at the same time, yep. considering how great he made Johnny Manziel look as a thrower. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now what over 10,000 receptions later, here he is still playing. How great would that be? Have a longhorn on one side and an Aggie on the other side. Ha <laughs> damn. Look at that. That that that'd be pretty sweet right there. Yes, it would be. All right, before where are we at? I did want to ask you real quick because you are a Cowboys fan. Look, I know you like uh, all of your fellow Cowboys fans suffer a form of PTSD, but this is as much as you've been able to believe in this team this late in the season in a long time, right? This this team this team is scary. I mean, I mean, this team is scary. I got to tell you, I was talking about this this morning. I really, the other night, a lot of times Chris Collinsworth drives me up the wall. Matter of fact, most of the time. <laughs> but the way that he was breaking down the other the other night, what has changed in Dak Prescott, the three-step thing. I mean, to really sit there and watch him and, and going back and watching other tape of him after watching that really detailed breakdown of that, that change right there has just that has solidified him as an MVP candidate and made him just an amazing quarterback right now. But, but I got to tell you, dude, between the defense, because it was Dallas finds ways to make mistakes, but they're not, they're not doing that right now. Even the other night there, there, there's different times where Philadelphia is going down the field. I'm like, here we go. But yet they still find a fucking way to take the football away. And you look at the, the big difference right there between the two games against the Eagles game one, the three fumbles, Dallas gets none game two or game two, three fumbles. They get them all. This team looks solid. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, Trey, they can go in and beat San Francisco, but I'll tell you what, dude, I don't I don't see this team beating themselves or the probability of them beating themselves the way they have seemed to do things the last 29 fucking years, man. This is this is giving me hope, dude. This is giving me a whole lot of hope right now. 
Yeah, I think, look, I'm a Cowboys hater. I think you guys have a ton of reason to be hopeful. I think that uh, the combination of Dak playing like he has in a defense that is as salty as just about any unit in the National Football yeah. League, despite the fact that you lost two of your most important contributors yep. not even halfway through the year. To be able to rebound like that and show uh, that, here's that word again, resilience is very impressive. And obviously it becomes much easier when Mark, uh, Micah Parsons is one of those 11 pieces. But top to bottom, this is uh, this has been a fun group to watch and one yep. that did a great job of shutting down Philly this last weekend. And yeah, they've done similar things to lesser competition, but you have to start somewhere. And mm-hmm. nobody was questioning this Cowboys defense against top caliber offenses heading into the season. It was whether the offense could pull its weight. Yeah, And they have proven now with Dak Prescott that they can do that. CeeDee Lamb is still CeeDee Lamb. You're getting more out of some of those secondary guys. And Jake Ferguson, my goodness. Dalton who, as he is dealing with some injury issues in H-Town. I mean, he was a key dog in this Cowboys offense these last few years. Through the first month of the season, you wondered if they were maybe underrating his importance to this offense. But with the way Jake Ferguson has come on over the last month, there is uh, no longer any question about that because Jake Ferguson is the present and future for this football team at tight end. Oh, no doubt. And, and you know, it, it, it took a little time to adapt that West Coast offense in there that McCarthy runs. I mean, but now it's hitting full circle right now. And like you're talking about with Ferguson, man, the other day, Trey, there were a couple of different things that he did. I mean, he reminded me of old number 82, man. It's like, damn, this dude right here. Um, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the, it is the present and future there for the Cowboys at tight end, and the dude can do a lot of things, and I think he's just getting started. All right, we are down the stretch in today's Midday Show. Thank you so much to Rodney Rodriguez for filling in for BK, who is on the links today, and it is time for... Where are we at in society today? All right, brought to you by Pest Wranglers and PestWranglers.com. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism, has us all saying to ourselves, hey... Maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out, but sadly, today is not that day. Rodney, I myself identify as a foodie. Uh, Do you consider yourself a big food nerd? I like food. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) What's your favorite restaurant? Let's start there then. Uh, you know, man, that's hard we'll to say. All of Gardner Chili's, because then we're gonna have a very different conversation. Oh shit! Well, then I guess I'll I'll just stop. <laughs> uh, you know, dude, in in any any high high quality type of Mexican food to me, not 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 interior Mexican food, but I mean, I I, I like a papacitos. I, I mean, that that kind of stuff. J- just a really good a really good high quality Mexican food restaurant is something that I can totally be down with. I mean, to see Tejas, I mean, all, all of that good type of stuff like that. Are you? I, I, I go straight to Mexican. Are you in Round Rock? Yeah, yeah. Have you had Mama Betty's before on Parmer? No, I have not. I have not. I've driven by that so many fucking times. I need to stop in. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm Legitimately mentioned one that. of our favorite places to eat in the entire city. It, it's It has some Tex-Mex qualities and some interior Mexican qualities, so it has a little bit of something for everyone. They make everything in-house except for their chips. 
That includes the tortillas, Long John Silvers. There you go, Jake. Hopefully it's one with the uh, A&W attached to it. That's right. That's uh, right. They make everything in-house, though, and they're owned by a Texas X as well. So you're supporting Sweet. them all when we go to Mama Betty's. And it is phenomenal food. I all, I can't help but to get the fajitas. They've got good specialty tacos. We've got a great kids menu, too, that my kids love to order from. Yeah, Mama Betty's. They, they are not paying me to say this, but it is uh, one of my favorite Mexican spots in the city, bar none. Nice. 10-4. So check it out. So the reason why I ask about uh, just how big of a food nerd you are, Rodney, is because I understand as somebody who loves food and also pays attention to food trends that foodies take it a little bit too far at times in an effort to to get this experience to go along with a really good meal. And so stories crop up from time to time that are fucking ridiculous that just show how (laughs) stupid people are. And we have another example. That is straight out of Japan right now, where a restaurant in Japan is offering its patrons the ability to pay its waitresses to slap them in the face for the price of two American dollars or 300 yen. Kimono wearing stone faced women will slap the eager customer's cheeks with a palm over and over again, and some will backhand the customer like a pimp slapping a hoe. Just <laughs> sometimes strike the diner so hard that they're knocked out of their seats. One man was even wheeled out before a line of the patron striking waitresses who bowed before taking turns, clipping him around the ear. Both men and women, locals and tourists alike, enjoy the slaps so much that they thank their assailants for the service. And I do have video for you. Let me see. I need to share screen. And here we go. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, that is a hard slap right there. Repeatedly. That person got knocked over, got hit in the temple. They pay for that? They are paying for this. This does not look fun at all. It looks like it hurts. Are they taking their rings off before they're doing that? She just gave a chop. What? I'm not going to say karate chop because that would be insensitive, but she gave a chop that uh, in some circumstances might look like a karate chop. There was the backhand right there. Did you see that one? God bless him. Pimp slap. She gets pimp slapped right here. Man, the, 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 the times movie. The times oh, that I've been gosh. the times that I've been slapped, anything near that uh, had been for free. I haven't fucking paid for them. What, what, what do you get? At, that's at a restaurant. That is at a restaurant in Japan. God dang. The restaurant. Let's see. The restaurant is called Sachi Hoko. I'll say Hoko. That's what I'm Sachi saying. Hoko. Yeah. First opened in 2012, but was in danger of closing, which was when this wacky custom was introduced. After staff started the stunt, business began to thrive and even became so popular that more female waitresses needed to be hired to meet the demand. There is just one condition, though. Well, this is insensitive. The waitresses must be female. So you can't have male waiters slapping the customers. However, if a customer wants to request a specific waitress to slap them silly... They must pay an additional surcharge. It's essentially doubling how much you're paying to get slapped if you pick the slapper out yourself. 
what so, so it's like the it's like the titty bar you, you you can pick you can pick your slapper but it costs extra hmm. jeez man that i didn't realize there was slapping happening at gentlemen's clubs it's been a while since i've been no, I, I, I met your dancer you can pick your dancer you can pick your dancer oh but, i see what you're saying yeah, yeah. what well, that's tip. That, that's the custom in, in yeah. the strip club, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I guess. Been a while. They don't Been just send. I don't know. They just don't send anybody for you. I mean, you're the one soliciting that uh, that act yourself, aren't you? Saying, from, hey, from, from what I recall, or, they, they kind of like they kind of like float around. You know, it's like you're just kind of hanging out, and it's like you know when they come knock on your door to you know replace your roof or you know, sell you windows or something. Hey, are you interested in whatever, you know, but you can go, you know, you know, pick yours near as I can recall. Been a long time, a real long time. Can't afford okay, that. Shit. Yeah. Cause it's been a while for me too. Like even back when I was a, a single guy who I guess technically was, <laughs> was on the market. Not that I was looking at strip clubs, like even going into strip clubs, then I always found it to be a colossal, yeah. waste of time and money and just a soul sucking experience for all involved the damn yeah. especially yeah I mean, you, you i remind my daughter every day my nine-year-old daughter hey you're lucky you have me because otherwise you might end up a stripper yeah yeah it's one of those things i mean i know so many guys that still do that and they they go after work on a friday and they leave broken in love with someone they'll never fucking see again unless they happen to catch the right shift and it's like yeah it's like it, it's kind of senseless but uh, honest question like if you're if you're really going there to get all worked up why don't you just why don't you just go the prostitute route that's it's not know, my world so i don't know i like it is there is there some sort of line you feel like you're not crossing yeah by just that, having them rub their naked bodies all over you while you're completely clothed yeah it's like get get you all fired up and then just walk off you know it's like yeah definitely if you're gonna if you're going to do the act, I mean, you might as well just, you know, check the temperature, you know, get the dipstick out and check it all out. I mean, just just go all the way. I mean, that, that that's kind of silly. OK, so neither you nor I is going to pay to have this Japanese restaurant. Slap no. Really, how much would they have to pay you to subject you to this? I'm going to bring Zay in on this one because we're going to show Zay this video. Zay, there is a restaurant in Japan that charges customers a couple of bucks to have the waitresses slap the shit out of them. And I'm going to show you a montage of slaps happening right now. How much would they have to pay you to subject yourself to this? All right, here we go. <laughs> Watch this. Oh, she just hurt her hand. Just one after another, lining up, slapping. Are there rings on those fingers? I sure hope not. Get Jeez. ready. There's a pimp slap that's about to happen, too. It's like a front of the hand, back of the hand situation. Yeah, that guy, you're probably hurting right now, bro. Look at that. Yeah, he just got pimp slapped. Jeez. Look at that. That's hard. I mean, that is jarring. Yeah. Um, I'm not paying nobody to slap me in the face. I'm sorry. How, how much would they have to pay you to put yourself through that? I mean, it's, I, gosh, it's in the thousands of dollars, I think. Because that's you, uh, uh, by the way. How many times am I getting whacked? That uh, one dude stood five, there forever, five man. Wax. Yeah. Five? Yeah. For five? Yeah, that's a smooth grand. Yeah. That's a smooth grand. 
Because, you know, man, I'm pretty. So, you know, I can't have nobody messing up the face or anything like that. That ain't happening. And I'm yeah. sensitive. So, no, nah, that's. Well, I've I've, <laughs> I've already got teeth missing in the back of my mouth. I don't need any more missing. And with slaps like that, I mean, my God. I mean, I'd, I'd have to take a thousand dollars, thousand per slap. Thousand dollars. Like there's a group of people out there who are asking if these waitresses can take their shoes off and slap them like that with their feet, though. So there's so many foot fetish people out there. Yeah, no shit. Like our former colleague Chad Hastings, like I don't know if he would be for this uh, just on its surface, but uh, you take some shoes off and allow the uh, the feet slaps to occur, then that's a that's a different game for Chad. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I never about that. either. It took him years to finally come to terms with it and talk about it on the air. Like, so speaking, speaking, of, speaking of foot fetish, speaking of foot fetish, did did, did y'all hear what uh, Rex Ryan said on ESPN when he was breaking down the uh, the whole Tony oh. thing with the with the foot thing where he lined up? Uh, Ryan is like, you know, I like toes. I don't like this toe. That's what he said. <laughs> that's Rex Ryan on Kadarius Tony. Oh, Kadarius Tony. I was like, wait yeah. a second, huh? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's yeah. Well, for one, he, he had a shoe on, so that's that's the biggest <laughs> reason why he would yeah. have that. Yeah. He needs bare feet. But uh, that's a good comment by him. And and yeah. this is a great point. In Mexico, they definitely use the chancla. They will take that chancla, the flip-flop, the house shoe. They take that shit off and, and that's what they're gonna slap you with. Oh, I bet, yeah. I bet yeah. if this were a if there were a restaurant in uh, in Mexico that were to do this, there would be a lot of um, arrest development situations occurring, like kids who got spanked heavily as kids yeah. like to be spanked in the bedroom as adults. Yeah, I bet uh, I bet if you incorporate the uh, the flip flop in the uh, the slapping process at certain uh, Mexican restaurants, then uh, yeah, you'll you'll have a, a long line of clientele waiting to fork over two to five to maybe even ten dollars in some cases, depending on the sandal. No, oh, yeah. See the oh, yeah. the whoopings that I used to get, that shit was traumatizing. So when it comes to the bedroom, don't touch my ass. That ain't happening. What would you get spanked with? Um hand mostly. Okay. Yeah. You know. I would get the hands, the belt occasionally. That was the worst. And then the wooden spoon. Ooh. The wooden spoon was the most common. My dad never really spanked us either. It was always my mom, but she had to stop. Not just with me, but with my brothers. They still owe me a debt of gratitude for this one because at about the age of 10 or 11, when I was really starting to get some girth to me, she uh, she spanked me. And I turned around and, and I laughed. And she said, bend over. And she was going to spank me some more. And she spanked me so hard that the wooden spoon, spoon just flat out broke at the handle. Damn. And I turned around and pointed at the the stick that was still in her hand that was broken off. And I just pointed and laughed. And my brothers were standing right there and horror. They started laughing. And then my mom started laughing too. And that's the last time I got spanked. Wow. Would you weird... guys, would, would you guys get paddled in school or y'all too, y'all too young for that? Damn, no, I... you that old? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Damn, yeah, Rodney. Yeah. I, I would in junior high was the last time I got paddled. And it was always one of those things. You went in, and the the principal, the the principal of my junior high man, he had one of those fucking big paddles, and he had like holes drilled in that some bitch for aerodynamic, you know. Mm. And he'd sit there and he'd reach back, and you'd hear the, I mean, you'd hear it coming, and then, and it was like stand there against the wall like this. It's like you're totally prone, oh, totally man. prone. 
What'd you get in trouble for? You know, back then it didn't take much. I mean, you you would you know get in a shoving match with with another dude or whatever, talk shit to the teacher, smart off. Man, in those days, it, it didn't take a lot, dude. It mm, absolutely yeah. did not take a lot, and it didn't take a lot because they needed examples. That, that's Everybody exactly it. Straighten up, and I guess that's why we fucking behaved back in those yeah. days. I guess, and I don't know, man. So yeah, did they make your peers? Did the did your peers have to watch that shit? Like, no, no, no. You, you 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 would go to the principal's office. You would have okay. to go to the principal's office. But anybody anybody sitting out like in the lobby, you know, the receptionist, she's sitting out there, and you know, you know, parents that may be there for a conference or whatever. You're sitting over there, and all they hear is, <laughs> and it's like, God, imagine that shit nowadays. <laughs> you have CNN, Fox. CNBC, everybody outside with the satellite truck with that shit going on these days. It's crazy. Yep. Uh, guys, I've got a, a 110 phone call I've got to make. Are y'all cool? Uh, Rodney, you cool hanging out until Chip yeah. gets here? Yeah, we'll hang out and talk some shit. Cool. So, sorry I can't hang out for a little bit longer today, fellas. Uh, Zay, I'll talk to you at three. All right, Trey. Be good, man. Good job, Rodney. Thank you. Later on, Trey. Double R. Hey, What's my up, man. man. What's going on, my brother? How you been? I'm good, man. I feel like it's been a minute. It has been a little bit. I've been talk that shit and, you know, really got yeah. into it. Yeah, we we were kind of going pretty good there for a little bit. And then, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, you know, then we kind of broke up for a little bit and here we are again. It's like we found each other again, you know, across a crowded room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know where my guy Chip is. I haven't talked to him today. I texted him and just making sure he's all right. I know he's been having some big time tennis matches lately, but oh, hey, man. man. He'll be on in a little bit, yeah. but till then, like, so what's how you feeling right now? College football playoffs, sports world going on, NBA in season tournament just ended. Shohei just got paid. A lot going on. Transfer Dude, portal. Man. It it's like it never stops, right? You you know it it it's one of those things to where it's like you know my wife used to get excited where it's like oh you know when the Super Bowl comes it's like oh football season's over I'm like fuck it's just starting what are you talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the games are done. We're just getting back going here. So no, no, man, it it never stops, dude. And and, and that's a good thing. I ain't got no problem with that, dude, because it's it's basketball time now. We a little break. And hey, I I do want to remind folks before we get out of here, don't forget you guys sign up for our pick'em contest. Um, I think it's down in the uh, YouTube chat right there, and you'll be getting to uh pick against all of us, like we know anything. So um, yeah, y'all sign up, it's totally free and prizes to be given i don't know what they are but they will be given there's a man right there what up fellas chip what's up man double chip. r you're the man you doing? chip you, you got it man as i as i always say when i'm on with zay when you're gone you're chip brown when i'm on with zay i'm brown chip, brown chip. <laughs> <laughs> so oh I'm going to check out, boys. Y'all have a good show, and uh, I'll, I'll be listening in. Appreciate Thanks, Rodney. You, Appreciate you, dog. You got it, man.